This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. One of the most important ingredients to me is they got to, this, this has to look like they're enjoying it. You know, it's just like going to, for anybody going to work, the attitude you bring and how you present yourself and how you like doing what you're doing means a lot to me about how it's going to go. And so for whatever reason, however they've done it, with all the stuff that's gone on with these young men, uh, I think they've done really well that way. So I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's been business as usual, you know, sticking to the, sticking to the plan and, um, you know, everything will work itself out. It's like having three seniors, me, Brandon, and Alonzo, um, you know, Buck's been doing a great job and, you know, we've just been working, just business as usual. I love this team. I love that. I think the focus has been good. I think leadership is good. I think that uh, practices, that they rev it up well. I feel really good. I like this team a lot. I like the personality. I think that all those parts look good. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and Robin Washhead as more adversity hits Nebraska here in August in the in fall camp as obviously the start of the year, Nebraska tragically lost punter Sam Fultz. And then the most recent news of wide receivers coach Keith Williams picking up his third DUI early Sunday morning in Lincoln has really made for an interesting fall camp with, with just how the players have handled things. And you heard Jordan Westerkamp, head coach Mike Riley, saying surprisingly, you know, guys have been pretty calm through everything that's happened, um, you know, with the leadership group of Jordan Westerkamp, Brandon Riley, Alonzo Moore, even a Stanley Morgan. It's a very veteran group of receivers. And um, even without Keith Williams, I mean, these receivers, Robin, I think have done a pretty good job of kind of downplaying what, what's been a really, really big week here um, of off the field issues. Yeah, at least, I mean, from what we've gathered, they're, they're saying all the right things and, and doing all the right things. But I think in reality, this probably uh, impacts them a little more than they've let on. And, you know, again, with the, both of these situations and really what has been one of the more tumultuous fall camps uh, I've ever been a part of. I don't know about you, but uh, you, know, you got to wonder how, you know, the, the question was asked Mike Riley, how these guys are handling it. And he said, you, you can't really put a blanket statement over that because each guy is affected differently. I mean, each guy's going to process things in a different way. And so that's when one thing that we're never going to know. You can have, you know, Jordan Wester can't be the, you know, the, the voice of the wide receiver group and say everything's fine. But how does that, you know, we don't know how Stanley Morgan feels about it. We don't know how Alonzo Moore feels about it. We don't know, you know, how the rest of that Brandon Riley, the rest of that group, each guy is going to be impacted by these things in a different way. And so that's kind of one of those things that we're going to have to continue to monitor is uh, how of all these off the field distractions, you know, really hurt this team and how are they going to be able to recover it once the season gets underway? Nate Klaus, your thoughts is kind of on what you've exp- seen here the first two weeks of camp. Well, I think, you know, when you look at how everything's kind of played out, I think the the one good thing is that these guys, there are some experienced veterans on this team, specifically the wide receiver group. But uh, and these guys have been through adversity before when going back to coaching changes and, and uh, I mean, all sorts of things throughout their career. So they have had to handle adversity. Um, you know, you, you can never really plan on, you know, what's happened here over the last month or two. But uh, I think the good thing is, is that they do have some leaders there to, to kind of help guys through everything. And um, I mean, at least on the surface, everything appears to be kind of status quo, even though I, you, you know that there's a lot of questioning, uh, a lot of questions being had behind the scenes. Yeah, you, you made a good point, though, Robin. There are really, I mean, you, you t- a player passing away and then a coach having a big thing like this happen off the field. Um, I, I was just trying to think about fall camps I've covered, and one that sticks out to me, but it's not even close to this, was in 2006. Harrison Beck just like up and left mm, and drove yeah. out of camp. 
And then that same day, Zach Bowman tore his ACL um, in the afternoon practice. And, you know, you, you remember go back to that. Um, the Harrison Beck thing, you know, that was what it was. But the Bowman injury that day ended up probably costing Nebraska a Big 12 championship because they didn't have a corner that could cover Lima Swede and, and Malcolm Kelly. Uh, that was the, was it the receiver's name in Oklahoma that year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, good good memory. They, they had, you know, there, there was these receivers that Nebraska couldn't match up with them because they ended up Zach Bowman and it cost them a championship. But and this is a whole different level when you talk right. about the things we're discussing here. Well, they're, they're, they're personal things. I mean, both those things were on the field incidents. And yeah, they, they took their toll. But I mean, this is stuff that goes well beyond football. I mean... Yeah, they lose their receivers coach, but Keith Williams is a mentor. He's a father figure to some of those guys. And to, to have him go through something like this in the public eye, getting, you know, kids getting hearing about it on social media, getting bashed by, you know, anyone that has a, a Twitter account. I mean, that you, you got to wonder what kind of toll that's going to take and, you know, how much the, the, the emotions and animosity and, you know, confusion about everything that's happening is going to impact these guys. And again, there's, there's no way to say how they're responding because we don't know. I mean, it's still so fresh and with all these guys that, you know, it's going to be kind of one of those, when we look back in the long term, how did these things maybe can change the course of the season? Because, you know, there's certainly things that uh, have that type of impact. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washa, Nate Klaus, just trying to kind of put a spin on what's really happened to Nebraska these last two weeks with some of the adversity uh, this team has gone through and Nate Robin mentioned recruiting and clearly when you know I think coaches gain their popularity not necessarily from just on-field coaching but I think the biggest kind of street cred way to get coaching credibility with the fan base is recruiting and Keith Williams had some sort of street cred slash credibility with these recruits that we really haven't seen since John Blake um, and, and you were a part of um, John Blake's staff when you were at Nebraska Nate but uh, with Keith Williams, um, you know, he was doing some amazing things. I mean, do you anticipate what's happened? Um, how much of an effect could this have on with on some of these key prospects? Well, so far, the the I guess the main reaction from a lot of the commits and a lot of their top targets has been overwhelmingly positive. Guys have uh, kind of taken to social media, and and I know initially there were a few recruits like Tajon Lindsay. Bookie Radley Hiles, um, you know, using the hashtag free dub and, and kind of uh, I know that Tyjon Lindsay said it's more than football in one of his tweets. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about family and everything. And from talking with these guys about it, they've I mean, pretty much the overwhelming sentiment has been, hey, look, Coach Williams made a mistake, but that doesn't change how I look at him as a coach or as a person. I, I like him as a person. Um, and I know that he's one of the best wide receiver coaches in the country. So, yeah, he made a stake, mistake. He, he kind of took a fall. And, and it, as long as he's going to be around the program, I still have confidence that he's the right coach for me. So, um, yeah, I think it's all about how, how Keith Williams kind of bounces back from that and, and uh, kind of goes forward. But the recruits are behind him right now. You know, the other difficult thing, I think, is his son Kean's on the team as well. And he just joined the team last spring in January. Um, and he's relatively new to Lincoln. And um, his wife, and he's got a daughter in middle school. I, I just think about his family and, and everything they've dealt with this week uh, with all of this because it would not be easy. I mean, you, you come from Tulane or Fresno State where if this same type of thing happened there, 
it may not even make the papers just because the, the local beat reporters aren't covering assistant coaches at Fresno State or Tulane. Uh, but at Nebraska, not only is it making the papers, it's leading every sports talk radio show. There are cameras when you're leaving the jail. Um, I mean, it, it would just be a lot for, I think, a family Robin to go through. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine that. And again, uh, being the new guy on the team, um, you know, and having you know, your dad be such a high-profile piece to this program, I mean, you can imagine the, the backlash he's seeing. And, and again, it kind of goes to the negative sides of, of social media and the way that fans, you know, for good or bad, have direct access to players. And I know that uh, Keegan's probably one that that's heard quite a bit of bad stuff over the last few days here. And, um, you know, I, I, again, you know, just with, with the whole family being put in the spotlight like that, I mean, that, that's kind of part of what Nebraska football is around here. You, you are a state celebrity, whether you like it or not. And uh, everything you do, you know, good or bad is going to be, you know, in, in the public spotlight. So uh, they're definitely dealing with the negative end of that. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, they're able to, uh, you know, withstand uh, all that comes with it. All right. Well, we got a full show here on tap. Um, we're going to break down our offensive and defensive fall camp storylines from the week in our next two segments. Then we'll bring in our, our newest member of the staff, one of two new members, David Eicholt, uh, one of our Husker Online interns for a new segment that we're going to introduce this season. It's going to be called the HOL Radio Mailbag. And each week we will take the best questions off Red Sea Scrolls and uh, bring them into the show. So that will be later on. And then Nate Klaus uh, with a final recap on recruiting, including Joseph Lewis's visit here to Lincoln. That's all next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Trey Bryant, uh, even with our depth at running back, which we like a lot, Trey Bryant's in the conversation. One of the most important things that, that, is, that is looming right now out there for us is red shirt, not red shirt. That's, that's right out there soon. So we, we are, we're constantly talking about that. No, he exceeded my expectation a little bit there with, with, the, with the physical run he had there at the end, you know. The speed I knew about, but uh, that physical run he had at the end, that was a very, very pleasant surprise. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and Robin Washett, as you heard head coach Mike Riley and running backs coach Reggie Davis talking about the early emergence of freshman running back Trey Bryan. And I guess nobody is, like, shocked that this guy has been doing this, but I think it's happened pretty quickly, and – uh, I'm going to bring in Nate Klaus right away because this is kind of the I told you so moment for Nate as a lot of people, including our own Josh Hemholt, who evaluated Trey Bryant, really downplayed him um, in the rivals rankings. And, you know, it was an argument to even get him bumped up to a 5.63 star. But Nate, early on, Trey Bryant looks like much better than a 5.63 star in fall camp. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I think what's really helped him is the fact that he's a very complete back. He went out in that scrimmage on Saturday and showed the ability to, to pick up some short yards, uh, run tough between the tackles. He got the edge a couple times, and, and he can also catch, and he can pass protect. And, and for a true freshman to come in and be able to do those different things, uh, is gonna, you know, you're going to garner some looks when, when you show those types of abilities, and he's definitely done that. When you, you ask Reggie Davis following that, that scrimmage what stood out about the running backs, he immediately talked about Trey Bryant. So 
Um, you know, he's he's opened some eyes, and he's going to force his way in there to, to get some playing time this year. And I think it, it'll it initially start on special teams and we'll probably try to get him on as many special teams as possible and then figure out how he works into the rotation. But I think, you know, when you look at his skill set, he may be one day the most complete back Nebraska's had in quite a while. You know, I, I wrote it this week that he, I think right now, is the best freshman back Nebraska's had since Amir Abdullah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, today I truly believe that. I, I think what he's shown this early on in a camp, there hasn't been a freshman back since Abdullah that has shown that type of potential. And um, I, I, I feel, Robin, with running backs, you kind of know right away. You don't kind of you don't see running backs just develop into a guy their senior year. I mean, typically it's a young man's position where a guy comes in and immediately flashes ability. Well, I guess first and foremost, Sean, what's that stat that you always talk about? The last time a freshman running back is actually redshirted. Well, okay, there's been four. Four, yeah. Since like 2002, David Horn was start as a freshman. Mm-hmm. The guys that have redshirted since David Horn: Collins Okafor, bust. Lester Ward, bust. Uh, Adam Taylor, injury, you call him probably a bust at this point. Yeah. And then the fourth guy being Mikael Wilbon, mm-hmm. and that was when Amir Abdullah was in his final season. Um, and jury's still out on Mikael Wilbon, but it's not like some crazy anomaly that a freshman running back is right. going to play at Nebraska. I mean, it's really happened just about every time a freshman running back has been on campus since the early 2000s. And that being said, you know, while it's not a surprise, I think what is most surprising about the Trey Bryant development is going into fall camp, we figured that, you know, he was maybe a potential redshirt candidate because of the depth they had. I mean, we were talking about a three-headed monster at running back with, uh, you know, most experienced back with Terrell Newby, uh, the promising sophomore, Divina Zigbo, and then Wilbon, who, you know, for all accounts is, you know, maybe one of the best playmakers they had from what we had seen. But Trey Bryant has made his case to be in that conversation. Mike Riley said it himself the other day that when you look at the running back rotation, he is in the conversation to play at running back, not just be some special teams fill-in guy. And let's remember, this is the last year was the first year Nebraska didn't have a thousand yard rusher since like the beginning of time. And for the statistics that were put up last year, if there was a year for Nate, for a new back to come in and, and shake it up, this is the year because Terrell Newby didn't grasp the job. Divino Zigbo is still kind of coming. Mikel Wilbon, we could sit here and debate hours why he didn't play last year, but he didn't play last year. So it, it's it's wide open, and, and this is an opportunity that a guy like Trey Bryan has taken advantage of. Absolutely. When you look at the running backs, they don't have a three-down back. They don't have someone who does everything pretty well they've got guys who they've got a, a speed guy that that is kind of a your home run hitter in Terrell Newby um, Divino Zigbo is, is more of a bigger back and needs to kind of uh, become more of a well-rounded back and then as we've all mentioned Mikel Wilbon the, the jury's still kind of out on that guy so they're I think they're wanting to find a, a three down back a complete back that they can kind of count on and lean on in the run game uh, instead of having a three-headed monster and that that running back by committee approach and uh, all of a sudden, Trey Bryan has, has shown him that, hey, he's a pretty complete guy and, and can do a number of different things very well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, Nate Klaus. We're talking offensive storylines here in fall camp as Nebraska really is wrapping up what is their biggest week of practice of the year. Nine camp practices with a huge scrimmage on Saturday. And, and you know, let's move over to the quarterback position. Um, you know, Mike Riley said, 
it's lock, stock, barrel, Armstrong 152. That's not debatable. That is set in stone. There's still some debate about that number three. Uh, I'm a little surprised. You know, early, in the spring, they made the comment that O'Brien would, Patrick O'Brien would probably redshirt. But now Mike Riley said it's kind of up in the air for that number three job. Do you think this is just some kind of politicking, Robin, to kind of keep O'Brien happy? Um, make sure that he thinks he's got kind of a chance to, to play this year? Or um, do you really think that there's a chance he could play? I would chalk it up more to just trying to keep competition going and kind of dangling that carrot uh, out, You know, not only for Patrick O'Brien, but for A.J. Bush as well. Uh, because the idea of burning a guy's red shirt to be your third quarterback doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, especially a guy like Patrick who has a really bright future ahead of him. So I really wasn't surprised to, to – you know, though the you know basically the top top two guys have been solidified. Uh, I guess I didn't put much, too much stock into the O'Brien thing. I, I think right now, if the season were to start today, you know AJ Bush is going to be your number three kind of by default. The question is, do you travel O'Brien to give him that experience? That will be something to kind of keep tabs on. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's that's a good one because you bring four quarterbacks. Do teams often do that. I don't I don't remember that being a really normal thing. Well, last year, yeah, they only took the three. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, Zach Darlington didn't even get to go to Florida. Yeah when they played in Miami with no travel roster restrictions and Darlington will travel this year as a holder. So he'd be kind of your emergency fourth quarterback in a situation. But again, yeah, I just don't see much reason at all to really play Patrick O'Brien this year because you feel so good about your top two quarterbacks. You have a capable guy, I guess, in AJ Bush and then worse comes to worse. You need number four. You got Zach Darlington who's played the position. Yeah. I, Nate, I, I just think, Things can be a little delicate. I mean, these high, highly recruited quarterbacks, which we play a big part in making them highly touted with our job at Rivals.com, um, it doesn't always just come easy for quarterbacks. And um, I'm sure Patrick is a little frustrated. And I think the news that might have hit a button on him the most this week was Tanner Lee getting an additional year of eligibility, meaning Tanner Lee will be here for 17 and 18. And by the way, he had a hell of a scrimmage on Saturday where he zipped the ball around the field, maybe better than any quarterback on the roster. Well, yeah, and I think that Tanner Lee getting that extra year probably did uh, frustrate Patrick O'Brien a little bit because when you look at how everything kind of shook out, he when when he got on campus, Tanner Lee wasn't even on the radar for Nebraska. And then all of a sudden, uh, a couple months after Patrick O'Brien is on campus and signs with Nebraska, Nebraska adds a transfer. And then all of a sudden, during the middle of fall camp, that transfer gets another year. So as a young kid grinding through fall camp, I, I'm sure it, it had to frustrate him and kind of make him wonder, well, what the heck's going on here? But, um, you know, as much as we're talking about Patrick O'Brien maybe being frustrated by that, what if you're A.J. Bush here? I mean, I think the writing is pretty much on the wall that A.J. Bush is the odd man out here. So if you're talking about having a competition for the number three spot and maybe talking about who are you going to travel as that third quarterback, I would travel Patrick O'Brien over A.J. Bush because maybe maybe you try to make it even a little bit more clear that A.J. Bush is is not going to be playing at Nebraska. And, and uh, you know, there's you, you got you to gotta be delicate with the way you do it, but maybe you, you kind of open up the door here for a transfer and help A.J. Bush out um, because 
I think it's pretty clear that Patrick O'Brien, Tanner Lee are the immediate future at that position. And then position. Jebby, Jebby gets here in January. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not a shock that A.J. Bush is not in the picture. I mean, the dude was a two-star quarterback recruit that had primarily FCS offers. Nebraska took him as an insurance policy to Zach Darlington, who, by the way, doesn't even play quarterback anymore. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was Bo Pelini quarterback recruiting in a nutshell. And, you know, if anything – Bush could move positions. I mean, that that that, that would be his best future to me at Nebraska. Uh, but you got to have somewhere to go. And if he wants a transfer, I think it had to be at the FCS route. I don't think he's a guy that's going to have any major offers just because he doesn't have the film. So um, it's kind of a rock and a hard place. You know, if you're some of these lower roster guys, like, yeah, they want you to leave, but you got to have somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to leave without a check. You got to have a, you know, somebody paying the bills for you to transfer somewhere else. And that's not easy to do if you don't have any film to back yourself up with. Yeah. And to his credit, he's, he's stuck it out and really tried to make the most of what has been a pretty rough situation for him personally. I mean, the, the style of offense Nebraska is trying to transition to is the complete opposite of what A.J. Bush's skill set is. And, um, you know, it's just kind of one of the breaks of, you know, high level college athletics. But, you know, again, uh, he hasn't complained one bit. He's tried to embrace the challenge as much as possible. And uh, I guess as the way things stand right now, he's got a chance to be the number three quarterback this year. So could be worse. All right. Well, we'll have plenty more fall camp here discussion in our next segment. We are going to shift the, the topic over to defense as several different things stood out from this past week's scrimmage. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think for sure our defensive line is, is on the rise. You know, we need a lot of work to get game ready and to be a factor in the games. We've got to continue to develop so that we develop the ability to have pass rushers in that picture. But I think overall they're, they're, they're looking, that group looks solid. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. You just heard head coach Mike Riley talking about the development in the rise of the defensive line, I think particularly the defensive tackle position, um, as I, I still, and I know Nate would agree and Robin, we still haven't really seen that defensive end position take hold in camp, um, but very encouraging signs this past Saturday in the scrimmage with how Mick Stoltenberg and Kevin Maurice played and uh, Carlos and Khalil Davis. Uh, Robin, I think it's it's all but set Nebraska has four quality D tackles to roll with this year. And, and those guys had a good scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah, certainly encouraging because uh, the defensive line across the board is probably concern number one facing Nebraska going into this season. And so we've seen small, but at least consistent steps in the right direction from that unit as a whole, obviously far from a settled uh, unit to the point where you actually feel good about it going into the first game, but uh, at least there's been progress. And again, the problem is we haven't really been able to see much, you know, live, you know, offense versus defense work. And that's really the only way to judge other than the scrimmage, either side of the line of scrimmage. So yeah, we have that one sample of the, of the Saturday scrimmage last week. So uh, the more, you know, looks we get in that regard, I think we'll be able to better judge uh, what type of progress and how much progress the, the both sides of the line have made. But from what we've seen so far and what we've heard from the coaching staff and the players, uh, you know, that the young guys are progressing the way everyone would have hoped. And there at least to be some, you know, s- s- stability there with some depth. 
Nate, class, your thoughts on the D-line? Well, what we've seen so far in that limited uh, snapshot is a guy who came off a knee injury last year, didn't even go through spring ball, and then really solidify himself as a starter. I mean, Mick Stoltenberg was was a beast in that scrimmage. He was, I mean, he looked to be immovable uh, by the interior offensive line and had a couple uh, tackles for loss there, applied some pressure. I mean, he did, he showed, showed an awful lot in that scrimmage uh, for a guy who had a lot of question marks, how he'd be bouncing back from that injury. So uh, definitely an encouraging sign there uh, from, from big Mick and then the uber talented Davis twins who are coming up. And I think this is the, the perfect situation for those guys to kind of, not be pushed out in front right now uh, and, and kind of be able to... They're going to be like the six-man off the yeah, bench. exactly. You know, like the, the, the talented six-man off, the, not just some... Scr- I mean, they're going to come in and, and, and be productive. Yeah, I mean, the expectations for these guys has always been high, and I think that they're in a good spot to not have a ton of pressure on them. Just, uh, I mean, they obviously have a little pressure, but they don't have to go out there right right away and, and be a starter in a, you know, a, a redshirt freshman phenom uh, duo out there. They can kind of uh, be a part of that rotation and, and kind of be a part of that all gas, no breaks mantra of, of John Perella's. And they're good kids, Nate. I mean, you talk to them and they have such a humble approach to everything. Yeah, they're, they're, they are pretty special guys. And uh, I mean, it's interesting when you look at uh, at these two guys, they're very soft-spoken, you know, unassuming, unassuming guys off the field, but on it, they're, they're extremely talented. Um, you know, two dual sport athletes, they, they talk about you know, the, how they, they like to play, um, like to do track in addition to football, just cause it keeps them busy. And, and when they're not busy doing something every single day, um, you know, they don't feel like they're getting better at all. So, uh, they, they, I mean, they're really the, the total package there and, and uh, great guys, great kids and, uh, and extremely talented. I mean, their future is very, very bright. You have to, if you're John Perella, you, you like what you're working with right now. You just got to get some of these guys some experience. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines from fall camp. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and Robin Washett. And uh, on the flip side, I still think defensive end remains a question. Uh, I've heard some grumblings about don't be surprised if you see some kind of creative wrinkles thrown in here, whether that's a linebacker like a Banderas or a newbie putting his hand on the ground. Um, I, they have to get some production there. And I don't see Desiris and Freedom Akamaladun, you know, as productive defensive ends that are going to consistently get to the quarterback on third down and long. And they don't have any backups that have opened my eyes yet. I, I haven't seen Cedric King, A.J. Natter, um, any of these guys really step up yet. So that, to me, Robin, is a concerning camp. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of the same uh, defensive strategies used last year, you know, when they weren't getting any rush off the edge with that front four. And that's going to mean more blitzing. More Which blitzing. means only six in coverage yeah. or five in coverage. And so, you know, there's going to be some sacrifices on the back end there. And you're going to have to get your linebackers more involved, your defensive backs more involved. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's going to have to be some, some wrinkles made by this coaching staff because, you know, from what we've seen so far, uh, you can't rely on just a four-man rush. I mean, as good as Freedom was through those first four or five games last year, uh, the fact is he hasn't been the same since that Illinois game. And this spring, this fall, you know, we really are still kind of waiting to see that explosive, uh, you know, beast off the edge that, that he was a year ago. So if he's your only guy that you can count on as your, you know, most legitimate pass rusher, that's a problem. And so until that depth arises, you know, Nebraska is going to have to account by making sacrifices and other ends of their defense. All right, let's shift over, Nate, to linebacker. I, I thought that was one of the real big positives in the scrimmage. You saw all three of the starters, 
in the scrimmage had big plays. Josh Banderas had a four-yard tackle for loss on Devino Zigbo. Uh, Dedrick Young had another big tackle for loss or sack type play. And then Marcus Newby absolutely obliterated Ozigbo um, on a, a pass protection play. Um, that group had a lot of promise. Luke Gifford looked good in the backups. Um, they're really excited about the linebackers. Yeah, I mean, this group is really impressive, especially when you look back to what it, what it looked like a year ago or, or right when uh, you know Mike Riley was hired. And they had four guys on scholarship. Now they've got, they've got a lot of depth there. And these guys look great in terms of their physical shape. Uh, they all look like they've cut about 10 pounds. They are all uh, look to be faster, quicker, and, and playing very physical. They're all over the field making hits. And, um, you know, I think this is going to be maybe the bright – you know, one of the bright spots of this defense is these guys' ability uh, to make plays and cover ground and be physical, uh, bring some energy to the defense. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some of these guys be a part of those those wrinkles in terms of pass rush too. And Michael Rose-Ivy uh, has been out for extended time with a, a minor knee injury. Uh, you just get the sense, Robin, they're being really careful with Rose-Ivy. They know his history. Uh, they just want him to be healthy, I think, for the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I mean, with, with his history, you, that's kind of the only way to go about it. Uh, right now, he's listed as day-to-day, and he's probably going to be day-to-day up until all the way to the bowl game, uh, just, just because, uh, unfortunately, as good of a player as he is, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And so I think that that's probably the right strategy. He, he knows as much about this defense as anyone, and so he doesn't necessarily need the practice reps as some of the younger guys. Uh, so you get what you can out of him on game day and you know, try, try and save him up and reduce your injury risk uh, the rest of the way. Let's move on to the secondary as we talk defensive storylines here on the Oscar Online Show. And uh, a guy that Mike Riley mentioned by name in last Saturday's scrimmage, Nate, was Chris Jones. Uh, you saw him make uh, a few nice breakups. He's really come a long way. And I think now that he knows he's kind of quote unquote the guy where a year ago he had that shadow of Daniel Davey and, and Jonathan, Rose. Jonathan Rose, two seniors looming over him. And I felt like it was a staff that felt like they had to be loyal to those seniors because they didn't want to disrupt the locker room in their first year. Well, now he's the guy and I think he's looked good. Yeah, confidence is everything <clears throat> for Chris Jones and really for any quarter cornerback out there. You, you have to be confident in your abilities because you're, you're kind of on an island out there, and and uh, you're going to be beat sometimes, but you got to shake it off. And I think Chris Jones has has really taken that next step, and we saw you know flashes of that towards the end of last year, uh, but he's taken another leap forward there in in his ability to cover, break up passes in, in the air. You know, we saw a lot of 50-50 balls last year that, uh, for whatever reason, the corners just didn't get their hands on, didn't didn't break them up, and and now we're seeing uh, these corners make plays on balls like that. So I, I think that's a good sign and um and both these guys uh, jones and kalu have really kind of uh grasped the, their positions there as or solidified themselves as starting cornerbacks well that wraps it up here for our discussion here on defensive storylines and we come back here on the show we're going to bring in our newest member of the staff david eicholt um for our, our latest segment we're going to add this season it's going to be the hol radio mailbag uh, that's all next here you're listening to the husker online show This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we just gave our breakdown here at fall camp. And we want to introduce our our latest segment to the show. Um, It's going to be called the HOL Radio Mailbag. And 
And without further ado, we want to welcome in uh, the newest member of our staff, David Eicholt. He's one of two interns uh, that we've brought on, UNL students. Uh, David, welcome to the Husker Online podcast. Now go get Nate a coffee. <laughs> it's good. It's good to be here, and I'm happy to be fetching coffee for you guys. All right. Uh, so let's start off with number one. Well, let's give it. A, tell us what this segment's going to be All each right. week. So. What we're going to do is Matt or I are going to post a thread on RSS and ask you guys to ask us any question, Husker late or roast me or Matt or troll Sean. Uh, you know, it'll be a good time. And the best questions are going to make the show every week. Give us a little background. What's your, uh, your history here, Dave? Uh, my history is I started a website called the sportsbill.com, uh, you know, relatively successful within the first year of just organic branding, about 300,000 uh, hits on the site. Uh, we do, Matt and I do a Matt show Reynolds called, our other intern. and my roommate, uh, we do a show called The Spill Sports Show on KRNU2, which will be transitioning to local Lincoln television starting this fall. Pretty excited for that. And I, you know, I we started a show in a class and called Anderson Sports Live, so anchoring, I just kind of, I just got to do what I got to do. You're Columbus native? Yep, Columbus native. All right. Well, uh, Brian Munson also is a Columbus native on our staff as well. But let's get right to it. Let's get to the questions here. All right. This first one's from Throwing Bones 50 and he asks, who is the guy that will provide a pass rush on the defensive line and linebackers who isn't named Freedom, if there's even any at this point that we can predict? I'm going to go for, I'm going to go guys with Josh Banderas. I think that there's a chance that you could see maybe his hand down and, and, and using him off the edge in pass rush situations. I mean, they're going to have to get creative. Yeah. And, you know, you could throw in a Marcus Newby in there, I guess. But uh, I'm curious to see how they use some of these versatile defensive backs that they have, particularly guys like Antonio Reed and then, you know, a hybrid guy like Muhammad Barry. I think they have two potential guys that could be, you know, some of that outside linebacker type hybrid roles that could give them a little bit of a burst off the edge. Well, and, and Brian Stewart has talked about uh, wanting to find a nickelback that can blitz as mm -hmm. well. So I, I think that's another another position where you could look at, at, at uh, you know, some pass rush. But yeah, as far as defensive ends, yeah, pickings are slim. Let's keep the mailbag rolling here, Mr. Eichel. All right, we got RTT Husker asking, what do you guys see that might be holding Patrick O'Brien back at quarterback? He's a freshman. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I, I, he's so talented. He's physically gifted. I thought the most impressive plays in the scrimmage were the ones he ran. I mean, there was a, a scramble where he mm -hmm. looked like Ben Roethlisberger running around out there and uh, picked up like an 18- or 17-yard run. Um, he's got so much talent, but he's a young kid, and, and I think people need to put that in perspective. He's a true freshman with two fifth-year seniors playing in front of him. I mean, it's just kind of a numbers game with that. Uh, give it time. He, he will make an impact at some point. Yeah, the transition to college football from from playing high school ball is is always big, and and I do think that his ability to run has probably been the most underrated part of his game. Um, you know, even when Terry Wilson was once committed to Nebraska, everyone talked about him being a dual threat. But Patrick O'Brien rushed for far more yards than than Terry Wilson, so he he's going to be a guy. It's just going to take a little time. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is our H O L Radio Mailbag. As David Eicholt, one of our newest staff members. Take it over from here, buddy. All right, so this is from I Bomb Atomically. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> with Trey Bryant pushing for playing time as a true freshman, do you think any running back will look to transfer? I think anybody in any big time program is going to always look to transfer, but the, you got to have somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I'm, 
you know, if you want to take a big step down like Johnny Stanton and, and have to go to a JUCO, then go to UNLV, which is a bottom 10 program probably in college football, yeah, transfer. But very rarely do you get the Aaron Green transfer package where you leave Nebraska for TCU. That is one out of 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, if I were to put a most likely candidate on that, I would put Mikhail Wilbon just because, I mean, he's the only guy in that running back's room that's redshirted, uh, especially with Trey Bryant looking to play this year. Uh, he played four games and spot minutes last year and then never saw the field in the conference play. Uh, and right now he's on the verge of being beat out by a true freshman. So uh, unless something changes here in a hurry, uh, if anybody's going to leave, it'll probably be Mikhail. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mikhail Wilbon's probably the most likely suspect. And and I, for him, I think his best best case scenario, if he did leave, would, would be that there was a, a coach out there on another staff that recruited him out of high school that still believes that, that he can be kind of a feature back somewhere else so uh so that he wouldn't have to go that juco route or wouldn't have to take a huge step down all right we keep the mailbag moving uh, it's from boss ross is the cali Nebraska movement fading on cruise control or about to take off that's a great question nate i'll let you start with that one yeah i, I think it's it's kind of right in between cruise control and about to take off and official visit season is, is almost upon us and uh, when you look at the official visitors that Nebraska has lined up already, you're talking about two five-star prospects and Darnay Holmes, Joseph Lewis. Both guys have been to Nebraska multiple times. Uh, you have a, a couple commits with Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan Jebbia, um, Raheem Johnson, the four-star linebacker. Uh, you know, you got Jalen Red, who's a four-star cornerback uh, as well, uh, and several other guys. Jameer Calvin. Um, you know, you, the list goes on. So uh, you got a lot of highly touted players. You know, out of the, the top 15 to 20 California prospects, I think you're going to see at least 10 of them take an official visit to Nebraska. So that's a pretty good sign. Well, yeah, and I think that's the thing you got to put into perspective the Cali Braska movement is a big thing here it's not just about the Keith Williams situation I mean the Oregon and the Fresno State official visit weekends that is really what's going to build this Cali Braska weekend to the next level Nebraska's had the satellite camp they had the Friday Night Lights camp on campus all of these things that played a huge factor Keyshawn Johnson Tristan Jebbia and those two home game weekends are I think Nate going to lay the base uh, for some more commitments out of California. Well, and, and winning. You get these guys on campus, uh, show them what it's all about, kind of, I guess, uh, you know, prove to prove to these guys that uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and Tristan Jebby and all these guys have been talking about is, is true. And then you win. I think if you continue to win, um, more guys will become even, even more serious about Nebraska. So I think it is getting ready to take off here shortly. Is that everything in the mailbag or you got a couple of follow-ups there? That's everything in the mailbag. Well, hey, we're looking forward to this. This is a fun segment. We're going to try to bring in every week, at least get five or six good questions off the RSS. And you had a lot of people. We, we put this up um, for really only 12 hours, and you had yeah. a, lot of, a lot of questions. You had some good troll ones. I me, got right? some good troll. I got roasted. You know, I'm just taking it as initiation into RSS. Yeah. And somebody asked on there, um, what did I do with the Coors Light? Yeah. I kept it. You kept it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Looted uh, like sorry, a pirate? guys. Yeah, I, I looted the Coors Light. Uh, I made a random tweet about drinking Gord's Light. They sent me four 12-packs in the mail. No, I'm not kidding, for real. And I am not giving it to you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, it has not been shared within the staff, which is a big disappointment. <laughs> it really is. And Matt Reynolds tried to claim dibs on one of the t-shirts. t-shirts. But let's be real. I mean, let's be real. 
your, your shirts aren't going to fit, Matt. No. Well, they were size large. Matt bought a size small polo shirt. I mean, I bought I bought a large. I mean, I'll, I'll snag that up. <laughs> right. Well, we look forward to this segment each and every week when we come back on the show. We will close with some recruiting talk about how the visit went for Joseph Lewis in Lincoln this past weekend. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show as we talk recruiting, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. And Nate, a lot to talk about in recruiting, um, particularly kind of fallout maybe from the Keith Williams situation. Uh, Let's get right into it. Joseph Lewis, the five-star receiver, was on campus this weekend for Nebraska last weekend. Um, His coaching staff was up here as well from Hawkins. And, you know, Nebraska's coaches really went all out. They had the number four jerseys on at practice um, representing his personal number. Um, They really rolled out the red carpet. Um, Your impressions of the weekend, of the visit, before the Keith Williams uh, news came out? Well, Joseph Lewis is a very measured, very quiet kid. Uh, doesn't really get too excited, but this is, you know, out of the few times that I've been able to talk with him, this is by far the most excited he's been about anything recruiting related. Had a great visit to Lincoln. It was a second trip and in about a month and a half's worth of time. And, uh, you know, this is about him feeling comfortable at Nebraska. I think that he, he said uh, he felt very welcomed by the coaching staff, was able to see more of the campus and able to see more of the city, which was important to him because coming from the inner city L.A., he, he wants to know that if he does go to Nebraska, that he's going to feel comfortable, be able to become acclimated to Lincoln and in and, uh, and the surrounding area. So uh, that was very positive. And, and then the other big part about this trip was the fact that both of his high school coaches that head coach and his offensive coordinator came with the with him and that was their first trip to Nebraska and uh, and they kind of had a lot of the same preconceived notions about Nebraska as, as a lot of other kids and in, in the fact that they thought it was going to be nothing but cornfields surrounded you know by a, a football st- or a football stadium surrounded by cornfields and they're going to see like tractors rolling down the street and everything and that's not what they saw at all uh, they love the coaching staff they love Keith Williams and uh, Milvon James told me who's the head coach uh, he told me that he would have no problem sending anybody, any of his kids, to Nebraska uh, to play for Mike Riley to to kind of uh, be able to, to grow up and, and uh, get an education here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting, and the incident with Keith Williams happened really – the visit was over at that point. I mean, um, the coaches were back at the hotel. Joseph Lewis was getting ready to catch a flight in the morning uh, back to California. What are your thoughts on just – the news that transpired following the visit, if any effect it's going to have on on the future with Joseph Lewis returning to Nebraska and kind of where Nebraska stands. Well, so far, you know, at least what's coming from uh, from Joseph Lewis and his coaches is, is that this will not have an impact, a negative impact uh, on his recruitment unless Keith Williams, you know, were to no longer be with the program. And uh, I, I know the uh, you know, same sentiment as a lot of other kids. They, they like Keith Williams. They, they love his personality. They love his energy. It doesn't change how they feel about him 
as a person and most certainly doesn't change how they feel about him as a coach. And a lot of these guys, including Joseph Lewis and his coaches, think that Keith Williams is the, the best wide receivers coach in the country. And um, and that counts for an awful lot. So as long as he's still with the program, this shouldn't have a, a negative impact. It's not like they're no longer considering Nebraska because this incident happened. Uh, they've, they've told me that this was a mistake that happened. People make mistakes, but uh, again, it doesn't change how they view him as a, as a person and as a coach. Okay, uh, as we talk recruiting with Nate Klaus, another um, kind of question that spurned with the Keith Williams situation was where Nebraska sits with wide receiver Jameer Calvin, who at one time Nebraska was looked to be the leader in the clubhouse. Um, where Kind of give us an idea how that thing played out this week. Well, yeah, Nebraska's been right at the top of Jameer Calvin's list, really, since he visited for the spring game. Uh, he has picked up some offers. Notre know, Dame, most, most notably recent. Notre Dame, which has kind of uh, caused him to uh, maybe take a harder look at, at some other schools other than Nebraska. But immediately following the news of Keith Williams, there were some question marks with Jameer Calvin in terms of his interest level in Nebraska, especially because at one point on Sunday, it looked like you know this thing might not be going very well for for Keith Williams and for the Huskers. So um, he made some comments, said he was really kind of questioning whether or not he was going to visit and, and questioning where exactly Nebraska stood in his top eight at the moment. Uh, but then Monday, following the news of, of the, the charge being dropped down to a misdemeanor and, and, you know, the outlook being pretty good for Keith Williams, he, uh, uh, he said that he's, his visit is still on track. He's going to be uh, coming in for that official visit here in the next month. And, uh, and the Huskers are most definitely squarely in his top eight. And I think, I think they're right at the top of the board. Um, I feel like – Get him back here for that visit is the yeah, key. Get him back here for the visit. Uh, get his parents back on campus again. Uh, they, were, they were here for the spring game. And, and kind of, I guess, rekindle, you know, rekindle the flames that, that he had uh, following that spring game visit. I, I think Nebraska is still going to be the leader here as long as everything is, is kind of squared away with Keith Williams. Another interesting storyline, Nate, that developed here in recruiting this week involving one of Nebraska's prime targets, four-star Tyjon Lindsey um, out of California, um, is said or rumored to be moving back to Bishop Gorman High School, where he previously played last season, but was at Corona Centennial uh, for the spring semester. Um, and, and what's big about this is, uh, you know, the quarterback, uh, Tate Martell, at, at Bishop Gorman is an Ohio State recruit, and, and one would think, connecting the dots, there's a lot to read there. Yeah, there's. I think there's definitely a lot to read there. You have Tyjon Lindsay, who lived with the Martell family last year that played at Bishop Gorman, leave, uh, go back to California, um, kind of move in with some extended family in California, set to play his senior year at Corona Centennial, and then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks before the season starts, he moves back to Las Vegas to live with the Martells and and play for Bishop Gorman once again. There's, I think, there's a lot of questions, a lot of a lot of rumors surrounding exactly why he made the move move especially this late in, in the process but uh, but yeah in, in terms of recruiting impact I think that's it's a pretty big move right here because Tate Martell is going to Ohio State they are very very are they gonna close. live together again uh, yeah but I believe they're they're gonna be living together once again Tyjon Lindsay has no family in Las Vegas to my knowledge and that's why the Martells kind of took him in and and uh, if he's moving back there I'm assuming that he's gonna be living with the Martell family once again and 
Um, you know, he's he's set to announce his decision on August 22nd, and all signs kind of point to Ohio State being that school um, on the 22nd. However, I don't think this is going to be a recruitment that, that necessarily ends as soon as he announces his decision. I think Nebraska could still be in it along with a couple other schools. Um, and, and who knows what's going to happen with Tate Martell. This is a kid who's committed and decommitted three different times already. And, uh, and I'm not 100% sold on him ending up at Ohio State right now. I just now. can't believe Urban Meyer has attached his wagon to that guy. I, 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 don't tr- I, I, just, I don't know the Tate Martell. I've seen him on videos and his personality, and I just don't see that guy being an Urban Meyer quarterback. Yeah, it, it is uh, – He's not your typical Urban Meyer recruit, uh, Urban Meyer quarterback, that's for sure. But uh, they've got two quarterbacks in this class, and they just got a commitment from arguably the top quarterback in 2018. So that's why I, I'm a little hesitant to say that Martell is uh, will be definitely signing with Ohio State. I wouldn't be surprised if there was another change of heart, so to speak, uh, going forward. You know who my money's on still at Ohio State? Joe Burrow, Nate. I think Joe Burrow will be a starting quarterback at Ohio State if I had to predict today. Yeah, I wouldn't argue against that uh, I think Joe Burrow de- definitely is a very talented kid but also kind of has that x factor uh, as you know being a, a coach's son and being around the game and being the Gatorade player of the year in the state uh, I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder too because he's probably one of the the least uh, touted. touted quarterbacks on that roster he he really didn't have a, a ton of big offers until very very late in the game and ended up at Ohio State so I think he feels like he has a lot to prove he's a bird though I mean Jamie and Dan I mean they also had chips on their yep. shoulders they, 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 he's got that same kind of personality the Burrow brothers had here at Nebraska but uh, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online show make sure you're logged on throughout the weekend as we'll have complete coverage of Nebraska's scrimmage and on Sunday Nate Klaus will give his prediction on freshmen that he thinks are going to play or possibly redshirt so plenty of coverage here uh, to follow as Nebraska makes their way here through fall camp Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 